1: You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. You can like us on Facebook where we post all of our episodes. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, because Locked On Packers is the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know. Why and how. And anytime you want to hit up the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that at 920 341 3775. It is Crossover Wednesday, brought to you by MyBookie.ag. We do have one of the hosts of Locked On Seahawks on the podcast today, and it is going to be a little bit of a different game for Packers fans, because there is no Richard Sherman. There is no Earl Thomas. There is no Cam Chancellor. There is no Michael Bennett. A lot of these familiar faces for Packers fans have either moved on or in the case of Earl Thomas, they're hurt or the Seahawks moved on from them. And that, that, hasn't materially changed a lot when it comes to what the team is good at. They are still very much a run-first team. They are still very much a good passing defense, but they're not quite as good uh, run defense-wise, and they are down uh, significantly, I would say, from where they were at their peak in terms of their offensive weapons. Will Disley, the rookie tight end, uh, is is hurt, and so he's not a part of this offense. The days of Golden Tate and Percy Harvin uh, are are long gone for the Seahawks. Jermaine Kearse no longer a part of this offense, and Doug Baldwin is hurt. He's playing, but he's hurt, and he said basically, "I'm going to be hurt all season." And so this game is going to look different um, from you know even even just two years ago when the Packers played the Seahawks uh, at Lambeau or. Last season, to open the season, it, it's it's going to be different. Things are going to look very different. And that is uh, one of the great reasons why we're actually going to have two shows this week that focus on the Seahawks. ESPN's Mina Kimes, who is one of the most prominent Seahawks fans in the sports media and on sports Twitter, is going to be on the show on Thursday. And we're going to push that show a little early. In fact, uh, it may already be out by the time you're listening to this uh, the plan is to push it uh, late Wednesday night, potentially right at, like, the stroke of midnight, um, so that it is there, and and people get a chance over the course of Wednesday night into Thursday, because the game is Thursday night, to hear that interview, um, we have already recorded it, and so she was awesome, very gracious to come on, uh, she does a million things at ESPN, so... Uh, the fact that she made time to do the show was very much appreciated, and she was awesome. So I wanted to give everyone the opportunity to be a part of that and hear it, and um, I had a great time talking to her, and hopefully she had a great time doing the show, and, and maybe we'll get a chance down the road to do it again. Before we get to that crossover part of today's episode, though, there is some uh, a little bit of injury news to go over because the Packers announced that uh, a handful of players would not even be making the journey to Seattle, which, I mean, obviously rules them out when it comes to uh, the guys that are going to be available for the Green Bay Packers. And just because a player is traveling and is on the injury report doesn't mean that they're a lock to play. It sounds like there's going to be some game time decisions in here with some of these guys, but... It does look like Bashad Breland has a chance to play. He practiced on Tuesday, and that's a big step forward. But Kevin King is out. Randall Cobb is out. Nick Perry will not make the trip, and Kentrell Bryce will not make the trip. So that means we're going to see Raven Green in all likelihood. It's going to be a heavy Josh Jones game, and then if Bashad Breland can play, I expect that it'll be Breeland Jackson, Jair Alexander as the three primary corners, and then Tremont Williams will stay at his free safety position. Now, this is if there's ever a good week to be down some some corners, and Kevin King obviously is is a big loss for them. Um, Kentrell Bryce, uh, I don't know how big a loss that is, if it means playing Josh Jones, who, as I said, I thought was very good the other night, Um, but the Seahawks, beyond Doug Baldwin and Tyler Lockett, they really don't have a lot, and it's something you're going to hear me talk about with Spike Friedman in a little bit from Locked On Seahawks, Uh, it's something that that I chat with Mina Kimes about, you'll hear that interview tomorrow, so They should be able to get by with Bashad Breland and Jair Alexander and Josh Jackson with the other players that they have. I would expect they will use Josh Jones as a spy at times because of his speed. I think that is a smart move. Um, One of the things that is worth mentioning here, Football Outsiders came out with their new numbers yesterday. Green Bay moved up significantly in the wake of the Dolphins game. Because that Dolphins offense had been inconsistent, but they had put up some big numbers against some good defenses. They torched the Chicago Bears. And for Green Bay to handle them the way that they did speaks volumes about what this defense is capable of. They moved up to 14th overall in DVOA, top 10 against the pass. And the the rushing offense for Green Bay moved all the way up to second in football. So... They are um, an elite running team. They are a solid to good passing team, the Packers are. And then on defense, they are a good pass defense and right now a not very good run defense. Well, those, by the way, very similar to what's going on in Seattle, but also the Seahawks are a very good running team right now. And so this is going to be, Strength versus weakness kind of in in multiple phases for the Green Bay Packers and the Seattle Seahawks. I think the key difference here is even with some of the inconsistencies for the Packers over the course of the season, no Randall Cobb, obviously, you have to say you trust Aaron Rodgers and his passing offense more against a young, unproven Seattle secondary that got lit up by Jared Goff and the Rams than you do Russell Wilson against this passing defense a defense that has a number of players on it who have had success against him in the past and a team that has had some success against him in the past. And even though guys like Haha ha Clinton Dix are gone, Demarius Randall, some of the recent vintage Packer secondary players, Tremont Williams was there in 2014. And Joe Witt, who is uh, still very much a part of what Mike Petton does in terms of coordinating the pass defense he knows what has worked against Russell Wilson in the past and it has worked it has worked to a significant degree and i i think you're going to see the packers create a lot of interior pressure in this game with kenny clark and mike daniels i think you're going to see them blitz and get R- russell wilson off his spot and i think they do get a turnover or two i i think this is this is a this is a setting up well for green bay what they do well and what Seattle doesn't do well, there are some good matches there. And and it is true on the flip side for the Packers, but I think what they do well and who is involved in what they do well and where the potential for growth is with the Packers in terms of this offense and Aaron Rodgers, I think uh, sets up in, in a favorable way for the Packers this week. I just have a good feeling about what's going to happen tomorrow. Before we get to Spike, We have to talk about MyBookie because they are the reason we have Crossover Wednesday. They are the sponsors of Crossover Wednesday. And the great thing about MyBookie is reliability. Online gambling can scare some people. And I understand that. There's risk in everything. It it is gambling to start with. But also, these online websites, who can you trust? Well, you can trust MyBookie. They've been in business for years. They have great online reviews. And their mobile site is easy to use. They've also got live in-game betting, over/unders on fantasy points scored, all sorts of crazy prop bets. If if you can think to wager on it, you can wager on it at my bookie. But right now, my bookie is so popular that they're gonna pay you to make your deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern. They're gonna give you an additional $25 in free play on a deposit over $100 when you use the promo code lockedon25 after 7 p.m. that promo code will also get you a dollar for dollar deposit bonus up to $1000 they give you money for giving them money to gamble with it is a win win for you and if you deposit after 7 p.m. you'll get an additional $25 in free play with the promo code lockedon25 because at my bookie you play you win You get paid.
3: David Harrison here, the Locked On Washington Football Team podcast, celebrating with you a twenty-one grain salute to a less boring sandwich, thanks to Dave's killer one organic bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store
1: and now it is time to get to Crossover Wednesday. Locked on Packers and locked on Seahawks. Our powers combined, just like Captain Planet. Spike Freeman from locked on Seahawks. Peter Bukowski from locked on Packers. And let's jump right in here. Uh, the the Packers and the Seahawks are in an interesting position because if you want to evaluate these two teams, they both each had a common opponent, the, the Los Angeles Rams. Both... Failed to win those games, but had opportunities late to do so, or at least in the case of the Seahawks actually got the ball because their their kick returner decided not to take the ball out of the end zone and fumble. Uh, So when you when you look at these two teams, Spike, uh, what are what are the differences that that you're able to to see in terms of what you think they're they're going to be able to do on
0: Thursday? It's interesting. There are a lot of similarities between where these two teams are right now. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that has to do with young and sort of broken secondaries in some ways, <laughs> but also like successfully growing new cornerback talent for both. So when I look at both of our safety positions, in our case, it's a, it's been a position of strength for so long. In your case, HaHa Clinton Dix obviously started better in his career than he has played over the last, couple years before moving on, I see holes in the middle of the field. And with Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, you've got two incredible quarterbacks who are capable of exploiting that. And so for me, when I look at these two teams, there's a surprising amount in common for me. Uh, But then you have to get into the running game, which is a totally different question.
1: Yeah, and I wanted to talk about that running game because early on, um, you know, this is one of the best running teams in the league, as you mentioned, uh, on a per-carry basis, and they're doing it, you know, without Chris Carson, or they were, they were doing it without Chris Carson, but with him as well, and Rashad Penny finally showed signs of life against the Rams, which I think was was great to see for for Seahawks fans. But I also saw a ton of reliance on Russell Wilson still getting outside the pocket to make plays, whether it's on zone reads or just scrambling. It seems like his legs are still a huge part of this offense, for better or for worse.
0: Well, I'll say it was the first time we really took Russell Wilson out of the shrink wrap all season was against the Rams. And I think there are a couple of reasons that happened. The first is Wilson had been on and off the injury report with a hamstring that wasn't really affecting his play, but you could see a little bit of his explosiveness wasn't quite there. He was getting caught from behind by D linemen when he was scrambling, just things you don't expect to see from Russell Wilson. Obviously, that was not happening against the Rams where he was very effective with his legs. So that is an exciting development for Seahawks fans because obviously the offense is so much more dangerous when you have the misdirection of just the potential for misdirection of Russell Wilson running the ball. And then the actual effect of him running the ball is just a bonus on top of that. And so if you look at this running back trio that we have right now in Chris Carson, Mike Davis, and Rashad Penny, all three of them have flashed at different times. I think Carson has been the best runner while healthy. That said, he was carrying a big load early. He's coming off a pretty serious injury at the end of last season. And he's just had a bunch of different things nagging at him. He's has a hip. he's has a knee. He's, he's just been all over the injury report. So in an ideal world, he's getting 15 to 20 carries a game as our lead back right now. And then you've got Mike Davis, who's been consistent and solid, sort of a big, strong, tough runner. That's been really nice. Uh, and then you've got Rashad Penny, who had looked pretty poor. He had, a, he had a hand injury in training camp that stopped his development maybe a little bit. But he had not looked good until this last week when he really looked excellent. Uh, it wasn't just the numbers. It was how he was getting them, sort of moving laterally through the Rams defense once he got to the second level to turn five-yard games into 10-yard games. That's special. That was exciting. I will never like that draft pick taking a running back at the back end of the first round rather than finding a way to get into the second round. Just based on value alone, that penny pick is never going to thrill me, but I want him to be good. And he finally looked good. And that is exciting. The biggest thing, though, with our running game, Pete loves to run. Tom Cable is a terrible offensive line coach. I think we could say that (laughs) definitively at this point. And Mike Solari is fine. And our offensive line is Fine to good. And you guys saw last year when you guys came, and I believe it was Kenny Clark, and who was your other defensive tackle who just Mike ruined Daniels. our lives? Mike Dan, Yeah, just ruined our lives last season. And I don't think you'll be seeing that. Uh, the Packer, or the Rams were able to get decent push on the interior with Donald and Sue against uh, a backup guard in Jordan Simmons, who I had not heard of until this season. You know, he was like one of those deep down the draft, Ford undrafted guys uh, out of USC, someone Pete Carroll had a relationship with, brought in, was effective. Um, but again, with DJ Fluker in the lineup, Justin Britt and Sweezy playing well, our tackle's playing far better. This is a different offensive line. You will not sack Russell Wilson 15 times or whatever you did to him last time we played.
1: That said, this is still the, the number one offensive line in the league in terms of allowing sacks Russell Wilson, the most sacked quarterback in football. And part of that <laughs> is because he wants to extend every play, right? He wants to make every play. And this is something that Aaron Rodgers has, has had over the course yeah. of his season two, or his career rather. Because he wants to hold the ball, and they want big plays. They don't want to just make every play. They want every play to be a big play. And one of the things I noticed watching the Seahawks this season is the guy that used to be not just the big play threat, but the go-to threat, Doug Baldwin, he hasn't looked healthy all season. And based on what I've seen, it it seems like right now, Seattle's most reliable and, and most explosive pass catcher is not Doug Baldwin, it's Tyler Lockett.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Baldwin's been dealing with a knee injury. He picked it up before training camp and was talking about the fact that he might not be better than 85% all year. Then he took another injury on top of that that he had to work his way back from. Just is not 100%. It's been great to have him back in the lineup because even 85% of Doug Baldwin is a reliable target for Russell Wilson. It's just there on third down. And Lord knows, something Something you'll notice with the Seahawks offense is they're not playing for explosives. The way the Packers do or the way they used to under Daryl Bevel, they're playing to get to third and manageable and then convert, which is a very dangerous game to play. Even if you're sticking, even if you're in third and second, third and uh, third and two, third and three, because you're frequently passing from those situations, you're finding that like teams are pinning their ears back and getting to Russell Wilson on third down. That's what the Rams were able to do. I believe all of their sacks came on third and like but it's between two and six, so it isn't even third and long. So it's it's one of those situations where having a reliable guy who can get behind the sticks, turn around and be exactly where Russell Wilson knows he can be so he can release the ball quickly, so crucial. And Doug Baldwin is just filling that role this year. Lockett's really come into his own. I mean, he's been making contested catches. His speed is back. After some injuries sort of sapped it over the last year and a half. So it's been very exciting to see Tyler Lockett playing at the level that he looked like he would reach when he was a rookie. He hadn't gotten there, and now he is there. So that's very exciting. Uh,
1: just to put a bow on our previous conversation, I, I just want to point out Green Bay right now, despite playing a game fewer than about half the league, they, they lead the league in total sacks and are second and third down sacks. Whoa.
3: So oh, no, that no, is not no. a great
1: matchup for the,
0: uh,
1: for, the for the Seahawks for the this Bryant, week.
0: For Brian Schottenheimer playing for third and four, and then going five wide with a running back split out. Yeah, yeah no, that's it's not ideal.
1: Not ideal. But so the Seahawks, when they were the Legion of Boom, one of the most underrated parts of that defense, and I mentioned this on the show yesterday, was the outstanding run defense that they were able to be equally efficient stopping the pass and the run out of base personnel because they had freak shows like Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, Bobby Wagner, K.J. Wright. That, that was part of what made them so tough. This year, um, they are a below-average run defense by DVOA, and the last two weeks, Melvin Gordon and Todd Gurley have absolutely gashed this run defense. If the Packers give Aaron Jones 15, 18 carries, can Seattle stop him?
0: That's a great question. Ah, uh, man, uh, you look at you look at this defensive line, and it doesn't have the depth we used to have. It felt like there was always you know there was Tony McDaniel, Clint McDonald. There there were guys behind the guys. Obviously, we all knew Michael Bennett. And we all knew Cliff Avril and, and sort of the big names, but it was the depth and the rotation on the defensive line that meant that our run defense would be just as stout in quarter four as it was in quarter one. That's not the case anymore. This line is not that deep. Uh, Jaron Reed and Shamar Steffen have been pretty good this year. Reed is sort of emerging as a very good defensive tackle. And so, when we get our run fits right, things go well. Bobby Wagner is, I believe, PFF's number one linebacker graded out this year. He has yet to miss a single tackle all season. The only tackles he's missed over the last two seasons were when he was playing injured against the Rams when they blew us out at home. So, I, I mean, Bobby I, Wagner's I, I just still playing. Let me,
1: inter- I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I, I, I was oh, watching. Please. I was watching the Rams game going... I, I know Bobby Wagner has played well this season. I've watched him in other games, and I know what the grade says. He doesn't look the same athletically to me and and part of that is because he in his prime, I just felt like he was everywhere at all times and maybe it was just that that I was watching the Rams game and and they make everyone look a little like a step slow because of what they're able to do and the speed that they have. But I felt like it was it was taking a step longer for him to get to the play than I remember with him. And maybe it was just the Rams game.
0: So I just correct, mm. correct that. If that's not what you're seeing. I'm seeing, so uh, I guess I'm seeing the same thing, but I'm diagnosing it a little differently, which is KJ Wright's been hurt this year. And he's, when he's played, he's played on a bulky knee, but he's barely played. And, Bobby Wagner, therefore, has to do more and is responsible for more. Got it. And I'm not seeing a real sapping of athleticism. I mean, he ended up with 13 tackles, I believe, against the Rams. He still was in holes. He's still doing things. But he is – KT Wright is so good at covering the field left to right. And when Bobby Wagner is suddenly responsible for a little more space laterally – can he hit those holes as quickly? Can he make those run fits as quickly? And the answer was no, and it was especially no in the second half of that Rams game when K.J. Wright was in and out of the lineup, eventually we had to leave the game altogether. And Barkevius Mingo's been a very nice addition for the Seahawks. He's been sort of a Swiss Army knife on defense, able to rush the passer, able to fill in for K.J. Wright. And but a great he's name. Not Just a great an name. incredible name. I mean, you'd think he'd be a Packers receiver with a name like that but um he, he's he's just not kj right in coverage he's just not kj right in the run game and so you've got you've got some issues right now with like the linebacking as a whole and also with Bradley McDougal in and out of the lineup i feel like i keep talking about injuries in this situation but it is like man we don't have Earl Thomas we don't know when Bradley McDougal or kj right is going to be in the game i guess it's I'm a little protective of Bobby Wagner's reputation. I'm like, he's the only guy we got left, and he's still making tackles. So I'm like, I'll take it at a certain point. Uh, you know, just suiting up for this Seahawks defense. If you've been one of the stars of it, that's all we got. Um, So I think it'll be interesting. Just to bring it back around, Todd Gurley is off obviously special and that Sean McVay offense is special. Melvin Gordon is very good. And Phillip rivers has always gashed Pete Carroll defenses. So it's tough for me to be like, man, our run defense is bad when going into those two games, it was, I believe like 12th in the league, you know, it was a slightly above average unit. And then we sort of hit our kryptonite. Um, But that said, Aaron Jones is real, real good. And I am concerned that we will not be able to stop them, especially if you guys get a lead and are just able to pound the ball at us. I'm a little concerned about that.
1: Well, and the other thing is um, the Rams in particular, they run a lot of similar concepts in in their base nature, inside zone, outside zone, to what Green Bay is going to be running. And uh, yeah. the the Packers, for the, the issues they have on the interior, blocking uh, in pass protection... Lane Taylor and Byron Bell are maulers in the run game, and Aaron Jones had some huge holes against the Dolphins who – I mean, that's not a slouch group. Um, They have some quality players in that front seven. So um, the the fact that they – I mean, Aaron Jones averaged almost 10 yards a carry. And so, I mean, that is – that is going to be a problem. I, the the one other thing that I wanted to ask you about, and, and I guess there's really two things, but I'll, I'll start with this one. You mentioned that makeshift secondary, the guys that they're relying on who are young. Outside of Griffin, who is one of the only known commodities there, and he played well the last time um, Green Bay and Seattle faced off, I'm I'm sort of looking around the secondary going,
0: Who who are these guys? (laughs) Yeah, fair. Totally fair. Uh, If I'm excited about anybody and, and it's and it's really based on expectations, I did not think Trey Flowers would be on the active roster much this year. And he has been our CV, too. And he's had some numbers put up on him, but he's also been very good. In coverage, He's been very schematically sound for the most part, which is so important because of the way we do our zone coverages, because of how precise the drop has to be, your footwork has to be in order to be effective in Pete Carroll's scheme. For me, Trey Flowers is really impressed. When he's gotten balls, when he's gotten beat, he's been there. It's just he hasn't gotten the ball or something along those lines. But his coverage has been really, really good. And I am excited about him. Uh, especially since, you know, he's a conversion project. He was a safety in college. So that's sort of out of nowhere for me and very exciting. The Seahawks have never met a
1: conversion project at any position that they haven't liked. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, well, and, and when it's Pete Carroll doing the converting, I love it. When it was Tom Cable doing the converting, it made me want to die. <laughs> Great Although, <point>. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey J.R. Sweezy's back, and he stabilized our run blocking. So, you know, credit where credit is due. I'm just going to say the safeties are a problem. They're just a problem. Earl Thomas is irreplaceable. Tedrick Thompson, unlike when Earl Thomas was hurt a couple years ago, and we had to bring Stephen Terrell in, Tedrick Thompson flashes in some ways. He hits hard. He's fast. He does some things okay. He's not a total catastrophe out there. He is not Earl Thomas. I I mean, there was a third and 15 against the Rams where Robert Woods, who, you know, Cooper Cup was out of the game at that point. Maybe don't leave Robert Woods open on a third and 15 where you're rushing three. Robert Woods, there was a radius of about four to five yards around him where he caught the ball 20 yards downfield. That was a backbreaker. And that was Thompson breaking wrong. Uh, Earl Thomas never broke wrong. Similarly, Bradley McDougal has been very good and versatile. Uh, he stepped in for camp chancellor last year, wasn't a huge drop off. He's been stepping in, sort of having to fill whatever safety role needs to be filled. He's good. He's not so spectacular. When he was playing alongside Earl Thomas, he looked great. When he's playing alongside Tedrick Thompson or Del- Delano Hill, who I am not sold on yet, uh, it hasn't been great. So much like you guys, I'm not convinced that injured, those are
1: real players that you just mentioned. I
2: think you're making some of
0: I'm not problems. either. I I still don't feel comfortable with any of it. It feels fake, and the Earl Thomas injury is just. If we were having this conversation and Earl Thomas was in the lineup. I'd be very confident right now playing you guys. There's a lot going right for the Seahawks that we didn't think would be going right. The run game, the pass protection, even though the sacks are there, down to down, Russell Wilson can at least operate in a way that he has not been able to for two years. And again, like guys like Trey Flowers have been stepping up and being fine. But our pass rush and no Earl Thomas our pass being pretty mediocre, I know Earl Thomas, is a deadly combination against good offensive teams. That's what we've seen these last two weeks, where we were able to really hang in there on offense against both the Chargers and the Rams, and then just couldn't finish late because they got that extra score on us, and we just couldn't do it.
1: So let's finish up uh, with this because... It's on a normal crossover Wednesday. I would say it's too early to make a prediction. You don't have to make a prediction, but I'm going to put you on the spot now because the game is tomorrow already. So yep. Packers Seahawks in Seattle. Uh, short week for both
0: teams. What do you got? So I, I just I wouldn't be confident against. But again, you're saying Aaron Rodgers is not a hundred percent there, so that gives us a chance. And short rest at home. So I think this is going to be a classic Packers-Seahawks weird close one. And I think the Seahawks are going to take it. I, now, you, this game is crucial. The winner of this game is in the capper seat for that second NFC wildcard game spot. The loser is in bad, bad shape in terms of playoffs this year. I think the Seahawks are going to take it, and I think the score is going to be weird. Let's go 26-22. I don't know how we get there, but 26-22 Seahawks. How are you picking
1: this one? It's really interesting because I had a very similar number in mind. And I have I 27-24, have but I just, <laughs> I just have a gut feeling about this game. And I think either Mason Crosby makes a field goal late to win it, or the Seahawks miss a field goal late that would tie it and send it to overtime, which would... Absolutely frighten every Packers fan ever if this game went to overtime uh, because overtime has not been kind to the Packers and the Seahawks from Packers fans' perspectives.
0: Uh, so that I is- am I'm I'm old, I'm old enough to remember when that wasn't the case. I'm old enough to remember the other side of that coin if you will. Sure. Uh,
1: sure. Uh, I was I was at we want the ball and we're going to score. I just I just want to put that out there. I talked to Matt Hasselbeck about it a couple of weeks ago. Um, but but to the to that point, um, it is going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a good game. I think both yeah. teams are going to be able to run the ball, so that's why it's a little bit lower scoring than than maybe I would otherwise pick. But I, I think a late field goal. I think the Packers are able um, to squeeze this one out, and and uh, it, that's mo- that's more just because. I have more faith in Aaron Rodgers against the Seahawks defense than Russell Wilson against the Packers defense, even banged up. And and that's a weird thing to say for
0: me No, it, uh, in it the makes last sense. five years I, of, of these games. Yes, it makes sense. I do just want to throw out a huge edge the Seahawks have. If you're going to draft a punter in the fifth round, make sure it's <laughs> Michael Dixon. Make sure it's Michael Dixon. I just want to say that, look, you guys got a good punter in the fifth round, but we got a general... We got the LeBron James of punting. I try to say it every week. LeBron James of punting. Michael Dixon, you know, if there's, if the edge is that small, that level of punting is going to maybe matter. So just throwing that out there. Just the LeBron some, some.
1: James of punting. I love it. I love it. That, you know, this is what, this is what our listeners come here for. This is why we have crossover Wednesday, locked on Seahawks, locked on Packers. That's Spike Freeman. I'm Peter Bukowski. This was fun, man. Hope hope we get to do it again in the
0: playoffs. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Peter.
2: Hey, listen up, FanDuel Fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better.
1: All right, I want to thank Spike for joining the podcast on Crossover Wednesday. You can follow him on Twitter at Spike Friedman, F-R-I-E-D-M-A-N. He is the co-host of Locked on Seahawks. He has an adorable dog in his Twitter uh, banner, so that, that that should be reason enough to follow him, to be honest, and they do a really great show. All right. With Mina Kimes tomorrow, and, and most likely today, depending on when you're listening to this uh, and when we end up getting it posted, around midnight Eastern is when we're going to drop the Mina Kimes episode. You, you won't want to miss it. She's awesome and, and provides a lot of really good insight, but also does it in her usual funny, witty way. And uh, it, it was great to have the opportunity to talk with her. And then on Friday, We'll come back and talk about the game, hopefully talking about a Packers win, and then back with uh, the the mini-buy that, that this team gets. Enjoy your Sunday without having to worry about football. Hopefully it's because the Packers won, and then we'll be back next week. Packers travel to Minnesota to take on the Minnesota Vikings. I think right now, and we're going to talk about this, Uh, Maybe a little bit on Friday if there's time. But I think the move right now, if you're a Packers fan, is you want to cheer for the Vikings on Sunday. It's Vikings-Bears in Chicago, but the Bears schedule is much easier than what Minnesota faces. So you want Chicago to take that loss on Sunday, and then Green Bay can go in and get that win against Minnesota. That would be a huge win, essentially a sweep for the Packers against Minnesota for the season. And then they've still got a ton of tough games left. They've still got to play the Patriots um, and and a number of other uh, high-quality opponents. It's going to be tough for them if the Packers go in and beat the Vikings next Sunday. It's going to be tough for the Vikings to even get to nine wins. And so that would essentially eliminate them from the playoffs. Losing on Thursday would not eliminate the Packers, but losing on Thursday and then the following Sunday would pretty much do it. So they need to get a split here, and that makes these weeks critical. It also means you need to keep it locked on this show for everything related to the Green Bay Packers. Also, follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnPackers. Like us on Facebook Subscribe to the show, leave a review, preferably with five stars and something nice. Also, anytime you want to hit up the Locked On Packers fan hotline, please do that at 920-341-3775 so that you can stay Locked On Packers.